Hello and welcome to the APUSH Files, the audio archive for honors history students at Boston Spa High School. For today's file, I'll be sharing an essay posted by the Bill of Rights Institute on the Philippine-American War. For a direct link to the essay and source citations, please visit the show notes. The last quarter of the 19th century saw a new wave of American expansionism into the Pacific. A popular movement rooted in newfound industrial wealth, a desire for trade, strategic interest, and a sense of cultural and racial superiority, this new manifest destiny asserted spurious scientific foundations for its claims of racial and cultural superiority as American writers echoed the widespread ideas of social Darwinism by applying the theory of natural selection to social, cultural, political, and racial issues and arenas. Interested in trade with China led to several war scares and crises over control of the Pacific Island bases needed for refueling steam-powered vessels at coaling stations on the long voyage. American interest in Samoa nearly led to war with Germany in 1889 and again in 1899. The Sandwich Islands, now Hawaii, were targeted for annexation after American intervention in the local revolution and civil war in 1894. Expansionist fever arose during the Spanish-American War, which led to the U.S. annexation of Hawaii on July 6, 1898. The Spanish Empire had imperial possessions around the world, but had been slowly declining over the previous few centuries. Spain had lost much of its control over Latin America when countries there asserted their independence in the earlier part of the 19th century. Among other possessions, Spain still retained a tenuous hold on Cuba, Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippines, but growing American ambitions in the Caribbean and Pacific meant the Spanish might be challenged for those as well at the end of the century. A worldwide depression started in 1893 and a 40% American tariff that closed the United States to Cuban sugar imports worsened an old colonial dispute in Cuba. Intense poverty and Spanish brutality grew into rebellion against Spanish rule in 1895. Spanish General Valeriano Weiler, known as the Butcher, put many Cubans in concentration camps to isolate the rebels. President Grover Cleveland opposed widely popular demands for intervention, but he was replaced by President William McKinley in 1897. McKinley also opposed war, but the cause of intervention was stoked to a fever pitch by yellow journalists who favored expansionary foreign policies and by politicians like Theodore Roosevelt, then the Assistant Secretary of the Navy. When the USS Maine, an armored cruiser, unexpectedly sank in Havana Harbor in early 1898, most likely because its boiler blew up by accident, the press and openly interventionist politicians blamed a Spanish mine. McKinley now bowed to public pressure and asked Congress for a declaration of war, which came on April 24th, even though European pressure had already led Spain to concede virtually every American demand. A key figure in what started as a widely popular war against a feeble opponent was Theodore Roosevelt. The traditional story is that his secret machinations two months before the war ensured that the first shots were fired not in Cuba, but in the Philippines. Yet a cable sent to Commodore George Perry during the crisis, ordering him to prepare for offensive operations in the Philippine Islands, was actually a standard naval precaution. Dewey went to the Philippines under the orders from the White House to destroy the Spanish Pacific Squadron based at Manila Bay and led by Real Admiral Pachico Montano. Under the cover of dark, April 30, 1898, Dewey entered the bay with the U.S. Navy Asiatic Squadron, consisting of four modern cruisers, two gunboats, and several unarmed auxiliaries. 
On May 1st, before dawn, he attacked the mostly obsolete seven-ship Spanish Pacific Squadron. The battle, was, the battle was a lopsided affair in which the modern American warships easily outmatched the older Spanish vessels. Dewey steamed back and forth across the harbor in line formation, pounding the enemy from outside the range of the batteries on the shore. Montojo ordered a desperate charge intending to ram the enemy's ships, but his flagship was shot apart and retreated to shore, where it was scudded. After two-hour disengagement and a conference with his captains, Dewey committed to the fight and pounded the Spanish once again. It was a one-sided slaughter with only a single American fatality reported, but many hundreds of Spanish dead or wounded. After shelling Spanish shore guns and forts, Dewey landed a party of Marines on May 2nd who completed the destruction of the shore forts and flotilla. However, he lacked sufficient troops to take Manila until he was reinforced on June 30th. By then, Britain and Germany had sent powerful naval forces to the Philippines in a show of gunboat diplomacy. With another flotilla destroyed at Santiago de Cuba in the second lopsided defeat on July 3rd, Spanish forces there surrendered to an American army on July 16th. With its two fleets wiped out, Spain's remaining land forces in the Philippines and Cuba were now stranded. The war thus ended when Madrid asked for peace terms after just 10 weeks of fighting. Americans were in a euphoric mood, which was captured by John Hay, soon to be Secretary of State, who wrote, It had been a splendid little war. Public opinion in Congress demanded harsh treaty terms. McKinley essentially dictated a draft agreement to Spain demanding surrender of all claims to Cuba and Puerto Rico, cession of Guam, and American military occupation of Manila and its harbor pending agreement on the ultimate dispossession of Philippines to be negotiated at Paris. Spain accepted a preliminary ceasefire on August 12th. Spanish forces in Manila surrendered the next day. Formal treaty talks began in Paris on October 1st. The five-member five U.S. delegation was dominated by expansionists who wanted greater global power for the United States and world affairs. Throughout the country, expansionists insisted the United States keep the Philippines as a base for expanding trade and influence in the Pacific. Advocates of American naval power like Roosevelt argued that if the United States did not keep the archipelago, Germany or Japan would take it instead. Business and trade interests quickly swung into action to invest in the Philippines. Yellow journalists proclaimed a new era of manifest destiny, while missionaries offered victory prayers and gratitude for providential righteousness. But just below the surface, the country was badly divided on what to do next. In the treaty signed on December 10th, Spain surrendered the Philippines for $20 million. Almost immediately, anti-imperialist movement that included public figures like writer Mark Twain took shape in the United States. It argued that colonialism was un-American and unconstitutional, and that the annexation of the Philippines was a betrayal of the crusading liberal and idealistic war Americans waged to liberate Cuba from colonial oppression. In a mood of division and animosity, the Treaty of Paris was approved by the Senate, just one vote more than the two-thirds majority needed. Before Dewey took Manila, the Spanish had crushed Filipino nationalist revolt led by General Emilio Aquinaldo, who was forced into exile. Aquinaldo returned to an American warship when Dewey asked him to lead another revolt against Spain as part of the American military effort. In three months, Aquinaldo's Filipino army defeated the Spanish on land, except for the area around Manila. On June 12th, he declared an independent Philippine Republic. He thought he had the backing of the United States for this because Washington had supported Cuban independence from Spain. However, Dewey saw Aquinaldo as a divisive and factional leader, incapable of uniting or properly defending the Philippine Islands.
With the transfer of the archipelago from Spain to the United States pending, Aquinaldo led a second revolt, this time against what nationalist Filipinos saw as an unjust American betrayal and colonial occupation. The Filipino Revolt, in older American terminology, or the Filipino-American War, is usually dated as lasting from February 4, 1899 to July 4, 1902. Whereas Filipinos saw themselves as a nation at war with a foreign power, Americans insisted the fighting was an illegal insurrection against their authority. That provided legal cover to treat the Filipinos as criminal rebels rather than legitimate combatants. The war quickly turned ugly as a result. Filipino forces outnumbered Americans who were barely under-equipped and outgunned. Sometimes they resorted to bows and knives against rifles, machine guns, and artillery. Fighting was marked by small unit guerrilla combat and ambush by the Filipinos and retaliatory sweeps that included massacres, torture, burning of village, and other atrocities by American forces. U.S. general adopted the brutal pacification method that Filipinos recognized from their hard war with the Spanish colonial occupation. Suppression tactics meant the f to physically isolate guerrilla fighters from the civilian population in zones of protection. That policy contributed to large-scale civilian deaths in disease-ridden internment camps. President Aquinaldo was captured in 1901, gutting the military and political leadership of the Filipino resistance and leading to intensification of American counterinsurgency campaign. By the end of the Filipino-American War in 1902, more than 20,000 Filipino fighters 4,200 American soldiers were dead. Perhaps as many as 200,000 Filipino civilian deaths can be attributed to war-related disease and starvation, but the final number remains controversial. Annexation followed by a guerrilla war made the Philippines a flashpoint for a profound debate over the role of the American empire in the Pacific. Many Americans repudiated the new colonial role, which became the subject of a bitter national political debate before World War I. The extension of American military power and trade interest into the Central Pacific, based on its focus in Guam and Hawaii and above all the Philippines, was followed by the Spanish-American War and its related annexations. The United States was already a world power by the 1890s, though it had mixed views about accepting that role until after World War II left it the dominant world power across the Atlantic as well. As for the Philippines, the Filipinos finally achieved their independence on July 4, 1946, after forming a close alliance with the United States to resist Japanese occupation during World War II.